I just want us to pray together. Um, this is a prayer I usually pray, but I'd like for all of you to pray it with me. Father, Father in, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we bind every spirit of the witch, we bind every spirit of the, witch the, wizard, the wizard, the warlock, and the witch doctor, we break their power now in the name of Jesus. We bind every spirit working from the kingdom of darkness in Jesus' name over this campground, over every meeting, over every person here in the name of Jesus. We send out the warring angels to Scramble the plans and the assignments that the enemy has against us and the saints of God in the name of Jesus Christ. We cover ourselves now with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, I ask you to loose a spirit of revelation knowledge and understanding as we go to your word. I want to start in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, one of the things that I really believe is hindering the body of Christ more than anything in this day, 2,000 years and more after Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected, is that the saints of God do not understand their authority. Do not. We've had 2,000 years of, of his word to understand who we are, who he says we are. Not who we think we are, not who other people said you are, but who he says you are. Okay, so in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, for a long time in my life, after I was saved and in Christ, the only thing that was new was that I went to church regularly and prayed regularly, but I was not aware that all things became new in Christ. Now, the word uh, new creature or creation, it means the original formation, and new means not formally known or experienced. So this thing that comes to us when we are in Christ is something that was not formerly known. We're not just adding to something that we already knew. This is something totally different. Okay? So for a long time I had an identity crisis. Didn't really know who I was in Christ. Uh, the word identity means a distinctness with regard to character or appearance individuality, the fact of being the same person or thing as one described or known to exist. See, Jesus describes who we are. The Word tells us who we are. And so we want to move into that place of who he says we are. He's going to give us a new identity in him. When I was 30 years old, I was a daughter I was a wife. The daughter, I, that was the position that I held. In my family, I was a daughter. I was also a wife and a mother. Those were my occupation. 
And then I was a sister, a niece, a granddaughter, friend. Those are all relationships, but not an identity. Uh, a lot of people never having understood this identity are defined by what they do. Who are you? Well, I'm a doctor. Who are you? Well, I'm a pilot. You know, whatever they are, that's, that's who they see themselves as. And the problem with that is that if you don't know who you are, you're open to confusion. You're open to depression. You have no purpose, no direction, no power. You're ineffective in the kingdom of God if you don't know who you are. Now I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to look at a person who had a problem with his identity. 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is King Saul's grandson. When David was king, he was looking to see if there were any descendants of Saul's left that he could bless. And someone told him about Mephibosheth, who was, uh, let's see, over in, well, let's see, I don't know. He was in Lodabar. And so this is Jonathan's son. Remember, David and Jonathan had a very close relationship. And so he hunted Mephibosheth down and sent for him. So he gets there. Well, it says in the Word, in verse 3, that he was lame on his feet. That meant he couldn't walk. Now, this was a literal affliction that he had. He could not walk. And he lived in Lodabar. And the word Lodabar means pastureless. It has to do with a sense of... uh, Feeding, provision, life, sustenance, and well-being. So if he was in, if he was pastureless, that meant that he was not very productive. And if you can't walk, that would be a problem. Okay, so the word lame means smitten, maimed. Figuratively, it means dejected, contrite, depressed, low-spirited, and sad. And I see in the body of Christ many who fit this description. They, they are sad, they're worried, they're down, they're depressed. Um, and then the definition in Webster is physically disabled, halting in movement, lacking substance, weak or ineffective, and disabled. That's not what we want to be in the body of Christ. That's not who Christ uh, died so that he could come and live in us and be who he was while he was on the earth, still in us and through us. Okay? Um, Then in verse 7, David calls Mephibosheth to the castle, the king's castle. And he says in... um, David said unto him, Fear not, because he, he, you know, can you imagine being called before the king? I mean, you're just minding your own business, sitting somewhere, and, and all of a sudden the king says, The king wants to see you. Someone comes and says, The king wants to see you. I, I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I had a false guilt that came through um, to major spirits. I won't even get into that right now. But I had a false guilt. When somebody was fussing at a group for doing something, I felt guilty, even though I didn't do it. 
And so I can imagine that he feels like, what have I done that I'm being called before the king? So in verse 7, he says, David said to him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat at my table continually. And he bows himself down and says, Basically, who am I? What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I? Now, that's a pretty low opinion of oneself, isn't it? A dead dog. But we do have a lot of people in the body of Christ who see themselves as unworthy. Even though Jesus Christ voluntarily gave his life so that his worthiness now is your worthiness. But we don't actually realize that place of worthiness. We feel unworthy to approach God for anything. We need to change that. You have a new identity of worthy. Okay, he goes on to say, now it says he's going to restore all the land of Saul. What happened to the land of Saul? Why does it need to be restored to him? Well, it says in verse 9, Then the king called unto Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. Do you see that if you don't possess the land that God has given you, somebody else will? Mephibosheth was the rightful heir, as we are, the rightful heir of Jesus Christ. Mephibosheth was the rightful heir of all of Saul's land. He was the remaining heir. And yet, because he saw himself as dejected, as worthless, uh, afflicted beyond anything... Ziba and his 15 sons took over Saul's kingdom. That's who had it. And David said, I'm going to restore that back to you. So you see, God created the Garden of Eden. That's where we were supposed to be living right now today. We were supposed to be in the Garden. But we know what happened. They didn't possess their land. They rebelled against God, and so Satan came in. The garden was removed from their presence. They were locked out of it. And then, um, and then it began the process of coming back to own what is rightfully ours. And that is the world. The world. But see, Satan and his servants, because the body of Christ has not understood that and not uh, stepped up to their place of authority... Satan has seemingly taken over the world with wickedness and evil, and it is waxing more and more. Okay? So we don't want to be like Mephibosheth. Um, look at Matthew eleven twelve, and I'm going to give you a definition of the church. Matthew eleven twelve. You're all familiar with this scripture. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, this is Jesus speaking. 
From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. That word means trouble and pressure. Are we not seeing a lot of trouble and pressure today? Um, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, how do we do that? The violent take it. Well, we're not a violent people. But the word violent actually means vitally active, energetic, and forceful. That is a description of the church. Should be. Vitally active, energetic, and forceful. And when you take it, when, when you become vitally active, energetic, and forceful, you're going to take it. What is it? It says the kingdom of heaven. We're going to take the kingdom of heaven by force. What does that word force mean? Not, not bulldozing. No. Force means you go after it and you don't stop until you get it. That's what the word force means. You go after it and you don't stop until you get it. That's what Jesus wanted us to do, was to get it and to be vitally active in the kingdom being forceful, not stopping until we obtain it. Our problem is we faint. We get depressed, dejected, sad, and all those things. And we become ineffective when we get there. Okay? Why is it from the days of John the Baptist? Why not from the days of of Genesis? Why not from the days of Adam? Because... When John the Baptist came, he was proclaiming the coming of the Christ, the one who would turn all this around. The one and and the trouble and the pressure, it really uh, amped up when Jesus came on the scene because they knew, the enemy knew his power. So they had to exterminate him to get rid of the power. What they did not realize, though, was that after the resurrection, Jesus was going to send himself to all those who would believe. He was going to send himself. He said, I will pray the Father and he will send you the Holy Ghost. That is the very uh, power, nature, um, person of God himself. The Holy Ghost is his spirit. Jesus came in the flesh. He was God among us. And then he went, and now it's really going to be bad. And that's why evil amped up. Because now there's not only one Jesus, Son of God, walking around here with all the power of God. And then he gave authority to the twelve and then to the seventy. But no, when he was crucified and resurrected... Every believer would be a vessel of this. Jesus. Jesus was fixing to be multiplied in the earth for a purpose. For a purpose. Why? Okay, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 20. Well, let's just continue. We read 17 already. In 18, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. That's why we needed to be saved. Because when Adam sinned, every person born after that was separated from God. 
So now we're going to be reconciled. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. Okay, that word, ambassador, listen to this. It means delegated authority. Delegated authority. Delegate means a person sent, a delegate means a person sent with power to act for another. And authority means the right to give commands and the power to enforce obedience. Now, who gave Jesus delegated authority on the earth? God did. Who has given us delegated authority? Jesus has. But sometimes we draw back. We are afraid to be who he has created us to be for fear of man, fear of religious spirits. So we draw back. John seventeen eighteen. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them. And he was, he was talking to God in, in John 17, but he says, I pray not only for these, but for all those who will believe on me through their word. That's us. He was praying for his disciples, for the believers that he was leaving behind, and also every future believer that ever would be. And he said, As thou, Father, hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. We're going to find out why in a minute. John twenty twenty one. he says, As Father hath sent me, even so send I you. See, we have the same commission here that Jesus had. The very same commission. Now, some would say, Hey, he was talking to the disciples. But no. John 17, 20, I've already said that. All those who shall believe. In John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me. Now, he's talking to the, to the disciples, but actually, He that believeth on me, he says, The works that I do shall he do also, and greater than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Again, in Mark 16, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right, that's verse 15. See, he says, in my name ye shall. First one, cast out demons. Yet, most of the organized church, and even some of the unorganized church, (laughs) says that you can't even have a demon if you're saved. No, the demon can't have you. He can't possess. But you can have demonic activity in your flesh. And that's why the church, I believe, is so weak and beat up. is because they're full of these things that keep them beat down, ineffective, lame, lame on their feet. Okay, he says, in my name. See, acting, he's going to give us his name. Acting for Jesus, using his name with his permission, his authority, his representative. We are to be his representative. 
Now, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that have been taught having to do with deliverance that scare people to keep them from casting out demons. Like, oh, remember the sons of Sceva now. You know, you don't want to get beat up and stripped of your clothes. Well, the Sceva and his sons were members of the kingdom of darkness. They were all witches. They were in... They were in Satan's realm. Plus, they didn't know about the authority. They, they used the authority of the Jesus that Paul uses. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work, and they found out. But if you know your authority and you use it correctly, you will have victory. Okay, I'm going I'm to walk out on a limb here. Well, it's a limb for y'all. Y'all are going to think I'm walking out on a limb. I know I'm not walking out on a limb because I asked God one time the scripture in a, a Matthew chapter 7:21. Here's another one. This one haunts people sometimes because they're believers, and, and yet if Jesus can say, uh, you know, uh, I never knew you. These that say, Lord, Lord, shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. In verse 22, Matthew 7:22. Or 21, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out demons? And in thy name done many wonderful works? See, when I hear this preached most of the time, all you hear about is, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But they did do the works. They did prophesy in Jesus' name. They did cast out demons in Jesus' name. And and then it says, when Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I got kind of scared. I said, now, Lord, wait a minute. Uh, if If I see people that are prophesying in your name and they're casting out demons in your name and doing many mighty works, in your name, how will I not be deceived? And he said, the power is not in the person that they used. They, they were not mine, but they used my name. Remember when the disciples saw one that wasn't with them? They're casting, Lord, they're, we saw one casting out demons in your name and we forbade him. And he said, hey, if they're not against me, leave them be. See, because the name of Jesus has the power to cast out demons. So don't ever be afraid that, you know, we will, we should always daily come before the Lord and confess our sins daily. Stay in a, a, a position of being confessed up and repented. And then you won't have to worry. You won't have to go off, oh, wait, I better go fast and pray for three days before I try to pray for you. You need to stay that way. We are in a time that you better stay that way. Let it be a way of life. Because I'm going to tell you something. I got a call several weeks ago, and and this was just, I've known this was coming, but I didn't expect it to be so soon, actually. But anyway, this uh, young lady... A demon appeared to this girl, confronted her, 
a Christian girl, a young girl, 17. And um, I was visiting my mother and got a call at like 10:15 one night, and it was a friend who was calling because this girl was traumatized. By, I mean, she it scared her mindless. I mean, it just scared her. And she didn't know what to do. Neither did her mother know what to do. But the mother knew somebody who talked about these crazy things. So she called. And the lady called me because we're all in a a study together. So we went to the house at 11 o'clock at night. Now it's at my mother's. My mama thinks some of this is kind of crazy. But anyway, it says, well, Mom, um, I'm going to go at 10 to 10 at night. <laughs> yeah, Mama, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. So um, what had happened was this young lady, a Christian, and this is a problem in the church too, a Christian girl in church, worships, loves the Lord, knows she has a call on her life, but she and her friends entertain themselves with things from the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. like Twilight movies. They're hanging out watching these vampire shows. And she had read all of the Harry Potter books, all the Twilight books, seen all the movies. <clears throat> when you do those things, you might can expect a visit from the kingdom of darkness in a form that you may not want. She didn't know what to do. The mother was a little nervous, us coming to the house. I don't know what she thought we were going to do. She was going to leave us alone so we could do whatever we were going to do in the room. And I said, hey, I don't have a problem with this room. I have a problem with what confronted your daughter. Now, I did look around the room, you know, to see if there was anything that might have invited these things to come. I didn't see anything. It looked like a normal Christian teenage room, except for one thing. She had some uh, cutout, life-size cardboard cutouts of a couple of movie stars. And I recognized them, but I didn't know where, what I recognized them from. It was the main character of all these Twilight movies. Well, it went with us, destroyed it in the dumpster. But um, we, we're going to, listen, when those Harry Potter books came out, people do not understand that when they read this stuff, I mean, we, we've had witchcraft indoctrinated into children this age and all the way up. And we're, those things are going to start happening. There's going to start being manifestations of demons to these children. And, and hopefully they'll go tell somebody that knows something about it because, you know, really, it, that was a disturbing thing. And the, the mother, you know, was saying how this girl had been out of the country and had a long flight. And I said, listen, I've known a lot of tired people. They did not have a body of bones show up beside their bed. That's what she saw, a body about this big. She could see the body, but she could see all the bones. And it was like a little mocking dance that it was doing beside the bed. Now, that would be, I asked her, what'd you do? She said, I put my head under the covers. And I laughed because Dr. Null told a story once about putting his head under the covers. The first time he saw something in the spirit that came into his room, demonic, and and he put his head under the covers. And the Lord said, you know, you can bind that thing. He said, really? 
He tell the story. I bind you in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, when he did that, these huge angels carrying huge change, and I told that girl that. You, you may not see what happens in the spirit, but when you do that, when you bind it in the name of Jesus and command it to go, something happens in the spirit realm. Dr. Null said these huge angels carrying huge change, chains bound up that uh, tarantula was what it was, and off it went. See, that's what we need to be teaching. When, when people join a satanic church or a witchcraft coven, they are taught very quickly how to use their power. But we don't do that in the Christian realm. We don't teach people the authority that they have. And that you don't have to be a, a I was going to say a saint, but actually when you get a saint, you become a saint. You know, you don't have to be a perfect person. And we need to be ready for these things because the way things are going in the world and the times that are coming, people are going to be making a demand on the Jesus in you. The demons will see, not you, Jesus in you. And that is the answer to their need. So don't be intimidated by that. Just go with it. Be, be who you were called to be. Um, Jesus knew his authority everywhere he went. And you know the demons did too? He'd walk in a place and they'd cry out. Don't be surprised. Really. Those days are coming. And we're going to need to know what to do with them. You bind them and break their power and command them to go in the name of Jesus. And then watch. I've just seen people just, wow. Yeah, it's not rocket science. You know, I don't know what they think. You're going to do some all, you know, get all spooky. No. It's It's simple. Okay, in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Look at Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 1. You know, Jesus, the first thing he said when after he was baptized and the Holy Ghost filled him was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, that means it's here. The kingdom of heaven is here. In verse 1, 10, in chapter 10, verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then over in, uh, in 7, it says, As you go, preach saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. See, his message hasn't changed at all. That was the first commission that he gave them. And before he left in Mark 16, we're going to look at that in a minute, he did the very same thing. Look at um, Mark 6. Flip to Mark 6. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them authority or power over unclean spirits. Look at verse 12. This is what I love. He called unto them and sent them. Verse 12, and they went. Don't you like that? He sent them and they went. 
and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. They didn't ask God to heal them. They healed them. He said, heal the sick. Now, we need to get that. He is in us. He is the healer. We lay hands, we anoint, we, we administer that healing to them. Heal them. Uh, look at Mark 13, 34. For the Son of Man is like a man taking a far journey. Jesus has given them a parable about himself. Like a man taking a far journey. Jesus took a far journey. He has left earth and gone to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. It says, Who left his house and gave authority to his servants. We are his servants. He has given authority to us. And to every man his work. His work. His work. He gave to every man his work. And commanded the porter to watch. That word watch means be vigilant. Wake up, rise up, stand up, take up. That's what it means. That's power. He has given that to us. It says, Watch ye, therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house comes, at evening or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. Mm. Wake up. I would venture to say that much of the church today is sleeping. Look at Luke 9, Luke 9, verse 1. When he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now go to verse 6. And they departed and went. See? When we hear the commission, our part is to go and do his work. They departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Look at Luke 10. Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Now look at verse 9. And heal the sick that are there and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Now look at 17. And the seventy returned. That means they went. They went and did what he said. And they came back with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us through thy name. Now, most of the time I hear this preached, real quick, we hear, well, don't rejoice in this, but that your names are written in the book. So it kind of takes attention away from the fact that they did go and 
perform the things that Jesus told them to perform. And that's what we are to do. Don't minimize the works. Don't minimize the works. That's what we're here for. We're here for that. Okay, look at John 1, 12. John 1, 12. But as many as received him. Have y'all received him? Is there anybody here who has not received Jesus? Because that, that's, that's something you need to take care of. To them, those who received, gave he power to become the sons of God to them that believe on his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Look at 15. John bore witness of him, cried, and cried, saying, This is he, this was he of whom I spoke. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, and he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace. Do you believe that? That of his fullness? His fullness is in us. Not just a part, his fullness. We need to really realize that. The word received, listen to this, it means to get hold of, seize, to take hold of, with force, to understand and comprehend. Now maybe, maybe the receiving him has been a stumbling block for people. You say you've been saved, but have you received him? Receive him. He wants us to receive him. So where did Jesus get his authority to do the works? From God. Where do we get our authority to do the works? From Jesus. Now, one time I asked the Lord uh, over in James where it says about works. I said, what are the works? And he showed me John 6, John 6, 28 and 29. The disciples said the same thing. They said to Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's himself, Jesus. We believe on Jesus. What did the scriptures that we read? We will be doing these things. Those who believe, those who believe, those who believe on him. But we're afraid sometimes to act on this. I want to address another scripture in Jude. Verse 9. Jude verse 9. When you go to use your authority... It scares, it scares people. Sometimes they get scared for you because they think that you've overstepped your bound. But it says in Jude 9, When I have rebuked the enemy, they, this is the scripture they give to me. Hey, even Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Do you know that 
Michael the archangel is the, the mightiest angel there is. One of them. But they're below us. Because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. They are below. The angels are watching us. The angels are watching us because we have that, that place that they would love to have. They would love to have Christ in them. The authority. They don't have it. We, inst- we, we can employ the angels. In re- um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says that the angels were given. Now, it depends on what, what interpretation you're reading. But in the King James, it says that, that well, let me just read it. One uh, fourteen. Start at 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand? None. The angels are below Jesus. Therefore, they are below us because we are made in his image and his likeness. Are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits? Do you know what the word ministering means? Serving. Servant. When you minister, you are serving. You are a servant. Ministering, ministering spirits sent forth to minister, serve for them who shall be heirs of salvation. For. They are there for, for us. And we need to learn to use them. We need to learn to use the angels. I send out the warring angels. I send out the ministering angels. I send out the harvesting angels. I send out angels of protection. Sometimes I say, and Lord, everybody else's angels, if they're not using, I'm sending them too. Because they're not doing anything. (laughs) Hey, I don't mind using somebody else's that are standing around doing nothing because the people don't do anything with them. (laughs) I'm calling them all. (laughs) Man, sometimes I need them all. Let me tell you a funny story about that. We had a kind of a little a little crisis at our house. Um, our granddaughter's daddy came and picked her up when it was time to go to bed. She had school the next day, and he picked her up. And um, I was up here, and Mike, I called him before I got to bed. We'd gotten out early. It was about, well, it was exactly 940. He said that he had come and picked her up, and they weren't home yet. And, you know, he's thinking about the baby having to get up and go to school all tired. And he was upset about that. And I said, well, you know what? We're just going to pray right now. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I send out the ministering angels and the Holy Spirit. And I say, arrest him right where he is and put it in his mind to bring her home so she can get to bed. Well, he called me at 5 o'clock the next morning and the daddy got arrested in jail. But, I, I, I mean, my head was going, I didn't pray that, did I? Did I pray that? I remember using the word arrest, but I don't remember. But then he got arrested. But he needed to be arrested. But anyway, she got home. So, you know, I, I use the angels. And they're, they're effective. Okay. So we need to believe on Jesus and believe his word. 
Now, Philippians 2, 5 and 6. Philippians 2, 5 and 6. Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus Jesus was accused of blaspheming when he would say that he was the Son of God. He thought it not robbery to make himself equal with God. Now, I'm not suggesting that we make ourselves equal with God. But I want you to look at 1 John 4.15, because we're going to have to start believing his word if we're even going to attempt to do the things that he's called us to do. In 1 John 4.15, it says, Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And as he is, so are we. Those are not my words. I'm not, you know, but the humility thing with Jesus, he thought it not robbery to equal himself with God, but he didn't walk around spouting and and making a show of himself. But there's a way to do that. There's a way to be as he is in this world without being pompous. Jesus was not pompous, nor does he want us to be. So do we believe this? Romans 8:19. Romans 8:19. <clears throat> this was written by Paul <clears throat> around 58 years after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. 8:19. Well, go to 18. <laughs> For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, he wants his glory to be revealed in us. He's not concerned about us trying to steal his glory. He gave it to us. We don't have to steal it. He gave it to us. And he wants us to be his glory In the earth. In us, it says. Now, 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature. Now, I looked up that word. We all think we know what creature is. I read it for years. Never wondered what the word creature meant. I just thought it meant us. We're just creatures. No. The word creature means, in the Strong's Concordance, through the idea of proprietorship, 
of the manufacturer, the creator, God. The originator, the one that creates or produces. And he's telling us that the that God's earnest expectation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. He, God is, see, we kind of are waiting on God to do some stuff. He's waiting on us to realize who we are and begin to do the works that he sent us to do. That's a little intimidating, isn't it? But, but that's, that is our purpose. If you don't know what your purpose is, this is it. Don't feel bad, though, because Moses didn't know that either. Turn to Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Now, here's Moses. You know, he went to the burning bush. You know, that bush was not burning. That was God's glory. It looks like fire. God's glory was speaking to him. And it, it's kind of like the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape, it says. Like a dove. It didn't say the Holy Ghost came in a dove. It didn't say the Holy Ghost was a dove. But we can grasp the dove. We can understand the dove. The Holy Ghost came down through the air without assistance like a dove flies. Not, not, not the dove didn't bring the Holy Ghost. We're, we're, you know, it's kind of like when, when they saw the transfiguration of Jesus and they saw Moses and the other guy. Who was it? Okay. They saw them. And, but they can't comprehend that because their mind just couldn't comprehend that. So Jesus came down and said, let's build three tabernacles. See? We've we got to do something Instead of comprehending what we saw and what happened right there, we want to we wanna build a tabernacle. Hey, this is where it happened. Let's build a little statue. Okay, so Moses, this is when he, he had his back to the Red Sea. They had left Egypt. Pharaoh thought, what have I done to just let all our slaves go? I'm going to go back and get them. They hear the horses and the chariots. They are freaking out. Do you hear me? Now, Moses is their leader, so who do you think they're looking to? You got us into this. Now, here's what Moses said. In chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses is saying, And Moses said unto the people, Now, can you just see? Here's the Red Sea back here. All the people are facing him, and he's got his back to the Red Sea, and all of these people ready to kill him in the front of him. And he's saying, fear not. He's got the staff in his hand. Fear not, fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And we do that too. You know, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And, and he is, he's the deliverer, and he, but he has given us. See, now this is what he says to Moses. Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen. Now he's prophesying to The Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. That's what he wanted to happen. 
The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And then he got interrupted. 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Like, why are you crying out to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Moses is like, have you noticed? (laughs) Then God said, but lift up thy rod. Now, a rod is for ruling like a scepter. A scepter is a staff born, used by a sovereign as an emblem of authority. Royal or imperial authority, sovereignty. That's what rod means. Actually, that's, you know that God said, what do you have in your hand? Well, my walking stick. Throw it down. See, he, that's the, he put his authority on Moses to use that rod to do miracles. But lift up thy rod. Stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. Well, that'll stretch your imagination. See, we read these, but we don't really get the... I mean, my goodness. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. See, because at one time I was crying out to God about something. And he said, did I? No, he said, why are you crying out to me? Now, I had read this story and got it a long time before this. And when he said that to me, I remembered that question. Why are you crying out to me? But raise up thy rod. He said, did I say to you that if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, that you would ask me to move your mountain? I said, no, I think, Lord, it said, I will speak to the mountain. See, we are still crying out to God to do things, and God says, I've given you my son, his name, his shed blood, his resurrected blood. All the power that he had is given to you. If Jesus is in you, then it, all of that is in you. His fullness you have received, what are you doing with it? I encourage you today to give this some thought. Moses got it. He did what God said. See, our part is to obey. Obey. God says it. You go. He does it. Let me show you Mark 16. This this helped me so much when I first felt called to do these things, but I was I was nervous about it. Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. This is an excellent training manual for building a stronger marriage by exposing the tactics your enemies use against you. From all online digital retailers, God bless you all. Here again, now when Jesus came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead. Now he's leaving. And he says again, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now he's talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God. I'm not sure the gospel that we hear or have heard in the past has really been the 
gospel of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. We've heard, we have heard the gospel of salvation, and we've, we've, we get that. But there's way more to the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, what if we were judged by that today? Let me see. Are you a believer? Okay. Um, Are you preaching the gospel of the kingdom? Okay. Are you casting out demons? No. Why not? I mean, that's one of the words that we're supposed to be doing. Are you laying hands on the sick and they're recovering? I mean, if that was a test for us, would we pass? How would we measure up to being a believer that we profess to be? Okay, so it says, After the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went. They were sent and they went. We are sent. Let's go. But here's the comforting thing. And they went forth and preached everywhere. See, whatever's being preached, that's what you're going to see. If you preach healing, you're going to see healing. If you preach salvation, you're going to see salvation. If you preach deliverance, you're going to see deliverance. If you confront death, who knows? Might just get up. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord. Now, we just read that the Lord is now seated at the right hand of God. But it says, they went forth and preached everywhere. And the Lord, working with and confirming the word that he said to them with signs following. Amen. Amen. It says, Amen. Now, that was a comfort to me because when I first started going to lay hands on people, when I first started, you know, doing these things, I mean, everything, my clothes were shaking. I was so nervous, wondering, you know, am I prayed up enough? Am I this? Am I that? But see, it's the Lord. All you have to do is go. All you have to do is go. If we obey, the Lord will do it. That's our requirement is to go and do. Now, last night we heard a reference to one rock, right? All he needs is one rock. David swung it. God directed it. Slew the giant. See, David understood. David knew God. He was in that hidden place out there with the sheep. He had spent time with God. When things got tight, he performed what needed to be performed. He killed the bear. He killed the lion. And now he stands before Goliath, this this giant that the whole host of the Philistines were shaking in their boots. They were hiding. They were all slunk back. But David knew his God. 
The word says, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. David knew. David said to Goliath, you come with a sword and a shield. I come in the name, in the name, in the name. In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. He knew God. Even then, in the name, and we have that, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Look at Luke 19.13. Am I driving this home? Luke 19.13. You know, even at 12, Jesus knew he was to be about his father's business. Luke 19, 13. Here's another parable. Jesus said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. The word occupy means to busy oneself with what? Everything he told us to do. Occupy means to take possession of and to reside in as an owner. Occupy till I come. That's his message to us. Occupy, occupy, occupy till I come. Busy yourself with what I've told you to do. Take possession of the land that I've given you. Okay, so one servant, when the man, when he returns, in verse 16, then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. See that in the kingdom, it's always about multiplication and increase. Multiplication and increase. The the second, and he said, that one pound hath gained ten. The second... Your one pound has gained five. Another said, here's the pound you gave me. He did nothing with it. He, he folded it up in a napkin and put it in his pocket to make sure he had it when, when he came back to collect. He did nothing with what he had been given. So, I would say it's time for us to be vigilant to wake up, to rise up, to stand up, to take up, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. It's time for the church to wake up, be those whom he, Jesus Christ, has empowered us to be. As Jesus said of God's work in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He's saying to us, continue to do my work until I return. Remember the day came when God shut the door on the ark and time was up. So I say unto you, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. Walk circumspectly, knowing what time it is, redeeming the time, making the most of the time that's left, because you understand the purpose and the will of God concerning his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Okay, now I'm just going to pray for y'all. 
concerning the things that are holding us back. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, take authority over the strong man of fear. I bind you and break your power. Fear, you go. Fear of the enemy. Fear of the devil. Fear of Satan. Fear of demons. Fear of man. Fear of religion. In the name of Jesus, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, mighty power, miraculous power, strength and ability and abundance to uh, making you vitally active, energetic and forceful, power to rule and have great authority. He's not giving you fear, but power and love and a sound mind. I bind the spirit of slumber. I break your power. Slumber, you go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of stupor, deep sleep, infirmity, feebleness, weakness, fainting, the broken spirit, go in the name of Jesus. And I loose upon you boldness, strength, a victorious spirit. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Elijah, the Spirit of David, rise up in Jesus' name. I bind timidity and meekness, laziness, laziness, go, slothfulness, go, in the name of Jesus. Dullness, dullness of mind, dullness of spirit, go, in the name of Jesus. Just take a deep breath and let it out. I bind and break the power of the evil spirit of unbelief. When you read the Word, you don't actually believe it. You see it, but it doesn't apply to you. I bind that spirit of doubt and unbelief in Jesus' name. And I loose upon you faith to believe. I bind the Antichrist spirit that would tell you, "Uh uh-uh, that's not true. You better not do that. I bind that spirit. I bind the spirit of Antichrist and every religious spirit that would condemn you for doing what God's Word says. I bind those religious spirits and break their power in Jesus' name. And I loose upon you the Holy Spirit, a right spirit and right thinking. I bind the spirit of error. And I loose the the spirit of truth and revelation knowledge and understanding to receive. I bind the perverse spirit. The perverse spirit that wants to twist things. In Jesus' name, the lying spirit, I bind you and break your power in Jesus' name. I command you to go, lying spirits, go. Spiritual blindness, deafness, dumbness, paralysis, go in the name of Jesus. I break your power and I loose upon the people eyes to see, ears to hear, tongues to speak. I bind deception in the name of Jesus. All deception, I break your power and command you to go. And I loose truth in the mind of Christ. I bind and break the power of the grasshopper spirit. Seeing yourself as this little insignificant person. Unworthy. No power. I bind it in Jesus' name. I break its power. The dead dog spirit. Seeing yourself uh, inferior in the name of Jesus. I break the spirit of Mephibosheth. In the name of Jesus, you go, and I loose the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I loose upon you might in the spirit of the overcomer. I bind the spirit of hiding, shrinking back, 
compromising in the name of Jesus. I bind you and break your power. I bind bind the fear of man and the fear of hearing. Who do you think you are in Jesus' name? I bind the spirit of mockery, those who would mock you for doing what Jesus called you to do. I bind that mocking spirit. I break its power off of you in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I just bless each one. I bless them with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, endurance, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. I bless them with words of wisdom and words of knowledge, faith, the gift of healings, the workings of miracles, tongues and interpretation of tongues, prophecy and the discerning of spirits. Lord, you had all that and you are in us. Therefore, we have access to all that you are in the fullness that is in us. Lord, make this real to us. These are the days that we need to know who we are. And I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask you to bless the people and bless the food. Bless the food, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.